Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, we're going to be revisiting uh, an episode that we did back in the early spring of 2020. And the reason that we're going to do this um, is that I've been thinking a lot about how our current um, perspective, uh, how our current circumstances have changed the way we think about things. And what I've found myself doing more and more is going back and rereading uh, books, articles, re-listening to podcasts. And I've found that they have taken on new meaning given what we know now, given given what we've lived through uh, and how our world has changed given the current uh, global pandemic. And it got me thinking about what um, endurance-minded episode um, that might be applicable um, with as well. And, um, it led me to a chat that I had with Lydia Tanner, who uh, was a professional mountain bike racer, um, and and ultimately ended up talking about kind of sustainability, uh, in sport. And I thought there was a lot of great takeaways and I, I found a lot of parallels that, that, um, that were originally designed to be applied to how we manage, um, uh, race scenarios, how we manage our athletic identity, um, how we navigate um, our um, our kind of highs and lows as an athlete. And when I re-listened to the episode, it really took on a new meaning. And so I wanted to to <clears throat> repackage this this episode in hopes that it will allow. Um, those of you that listen to the podcast to to kind of think about things in a in a different light, and uh, I just want to outline a few of the things that I that really stood out to me as I listened to this this interview with <clears throat> with um, with Lydia, and and ironically enough, we posted it um, very early on in March, which is right before kind of everything uh, broke loose with with COVID, and so I just I thought it was really timely and, and interesting. Um, that we were talking about these things that now seem to be even more applicable, even though what we were talking about at the time, um, of course, had nothing to do with the experiences that we uh, all have had now and coped with uh, over the last several months. And one of the things is is intrinsic versus extrinsic motivators. And we were talking about this in relation to races and, and you know, finding your why and, and some of these classic um, goal setting um, practices that we've talked about a lot on endurance minded, but, but now more than ever with the removal or, you know, the removal of, of most events and races, like certainly at the capacity that we were used to, um, that takes on even more weight, or I think holds much more weight that we, we need so, um, so much to, to be able to cling to and define those intrinsic motivators because the extrinsic um, goals are have, have been removed for the most part. Um, another one was just talking about sustainability, you know, looking this idea that so often we were moving forward at all costs. We we're moving from race to race and event to event, uh, pushing for um, better and better results and, and, and now that that is not how we are able to frame our success, 
um, finding what sustainability looks like. How do we take ourselves from where we're at now as athletes and, and be able to sustain that um, and maintain that athletic identity through uh, through this year and the next and, and weather this storm? Um, um, finding maturity um, it was another big one and a takeaway for me as I re-listened to this and just knowing that forward progress doesn't always mean moving forward. And I, I think, you know, that really just hit me uh, hard when I was listening to, to our conversation is that, you know, certainly now what we've typically identified as forward progress is probably not realistic or, or probably not going to happen. And so being mature and confident with ourselves in the sport with our identity as athletes and understanding how that fits in kind of the larger scheme of things uh, is is critical right now. Um, and then Lydia touched on using fitness as a as a tool for enjoyment and, and personal growth. And and again now, you know, if if we're not using fitness for outcome or extrinsically based goals like races, events, um, again, things that we've classically hung our hats on, how do we use fitness? What good is fitness and the pursuit of that fitness or the pursuit of our full potential? What good is that to us um, if it's not um, classified or quantified by by a race result? Um, and uh, and again, I, I see fitness as a as a tool for for lots of other things uh, in our lives, and we touch on that in this conversation. That really rings probably clearer now than than it even did um, b- before. Um, and then lastly, just because you you can um, doesn't mean you should. And and what we what what I mean by that is that. Just because you can do a lot um, doesn't necessarily mean that you should. And this is something I've always believed really strongly in. But but we're seeing now that, you know, with uh, with more people working from home or people kind of arriving at more flexible schedules, um, they have more time and people are using that time um, often to to do more um, and to do more of their primary discipline, do more riding, do more running. Uh, and we go into why that might not be um, the best approach. And I think now, again, more than ever, it's it's about finding balance and sustainability to be able to, to move through this season productively uh, and set ourselves up for seasons to come. So thinking, balancing that uh, near-term and long-term um, success and, and what that looks like. And and again, that that was a, a great example of we were we were very much talking about uh, training, periodization, race preparation, and now it takes on a, a totally new meaning. So um, I, I hope that you'll kind of re-listen to this. Uh, if you didn't catch it the first time, uh, you can you can listen to it with fresh ears. If you've already listened to it, um, enough time has passed now that I hope you'll. Um, you'll listen to it with kind of new ears, um, and, um, or, or fresh ears and, and just think about maybe how some of these things that used to apply to certain topics have, have been changed or or morphed. And that's been one of the most powerful things for me during this time is to think about how 
some of these things that we've we've just kind of classically you know taken for granted or or moved through uh, as athletes as coaches um, how those things have have changed and what they mean now for us and and our you know identity um, so enjoy this chat with uh, with Lydia Tanner. Uh, originally this was recorded, uh, in, um, in late February, we posted it in early March. Um, and I think it really takes on a a much new, um, and, and potentially much more powerful meaning now than it did, um, even before. Um, as always, thomasendurancecoaching.com for anything that we talk about on the podcast and much, much more. Uh, all of our coaches are putting out tons of great content on the blog. We're hosting weekly happy hours uh, Thursdays um, uh, at 5 o'clock Mountain Time on Instagram Live. Uh, we're offering free um, uh, coach introductory chats through the website if you want to talk to a coach about any of the struggles that you're having, uh, how to set yourself up for, for next season. Um Lots and lots of great stuff going on. Tons of good resources on on the website. So check that out. And uh, and again, enjoy this. Uh, enjoy our, my chat with uh, with Lydia Tanner. Hey Lydia, how's it going? Welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, for those of us that don't know, uh, it might be good to. Uh, to, to kick things off with just a little bit of background information about kind of um, uh, where you come from, uh, from your, uh, from your endurance sports background, because you have a really, uh, a really deep uh, and really successful background in, uh, in sports. So maybe you can, uh, you can kind of kick us off by just telling us, uh, telling us what that, what that's been like, kind of where you started and, and where you're at today. Sure. Um, I mean, success is all relative, but I've been mountain biking for a really long time, basically since I was 12, um, which like suddenly realized, oh man, I've been, I've been racing for like 18 years, (laughs) 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 but yeah, it's, uh, I got to, I got to do a lot of really cool travel in my, uh, early college years. I went to worlds. I did some racing in Switzerland. Um, and then basically, uh, burned out and spent the next couple of years, uh, climbing and ski mountaineering. And now I'm back to cycling and, um, I'm loving it. It's, it's a, it's a new, but old challenge. So I have all the tools I need, but I'm, I'm applying some kind of new strategies to see it, to see what happens. Yeah. So, um, I think that's, you know, you, you found yourself in a position where, I think a lot of folks, uh, honestly, like, you know, you were competing, uh, on the, you know, kind of like world stage, but, um, to be fair, a lot I'm of very folks, slow, but <laughs> <laughs> well, slow, maybe in a, in a, in a big pool of very fast people. Sure. Yeah. I was at the back of the path. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, you're, you still got the invite though. That's all that matters. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that's something that where a lot of folks, you know, at all levels find themselves is there's just, I mean, you know, burnout is just so prevalent, right. Mm -hmm. That like there's sustainability in the sport, whatever your discipline is, whether it's, you know, cycling or running or triathlon or whatever, there's so many folks that are kind of boom and bust, you know, they come in really hard, really motivated, really fit, whatever it is. And then for whatever reason, they, um, 
they, they fall out of love with the, with the sport. So, um, yeah, I'm interested, like, can you expand a little bit on just kind of what that was like for you? Like maybe what, what led to it and then kind of how you process that, that period in your life when you, you know, you, you didn't feel like endurance sports was part of the picture. I mean, I'd say endurance sports have always been part of the picture, but I think that the sort of ultra competitive version that I was participating in wasn't serving me anymore at that time. Um, I think it's, it's an interest. It's interesting looking back. Cause I, I see that sort of like late nineties, early aughts as this phase where we were all kind of still tied to this, like ultra performance version of cycling. Um, and like, I feel like the vibe these days is a little more relaxed and I'm sure, I'm sure the folks at the top end still feel like it's ultra competitive, but I think for the rest of us, there's kind of an emerging version of athletics. That's a little more, um, like casual and, uh, experience focused less than results. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that mentality played a lot into why I, found it unsustainable at the time. It was, it was just ultra competitive and I, I was really self-critical. Um, and you know, like I said, I wasn't seeing, it, it's, it's hard to make that transition from junior to U23. Cause you go from basically getting all these like really gratifying results to being, to racing with elites. And you know, you're not going to see that, that sort of results as like an 18 year old. And, um, so yeah, like, like the, that sort of external motivation for me was, was a lot of why I was doing it. And, um, it wasn't enough to keep me out there at that time. So yeah, I, I've done a lot of soul searching since yeah. then to think about like why, why I actually do this stuff. And, um, I've found some, some way more sustainable reasons and it feels really good. Yeah. That's, you bring up a good point and I've, uh, I've talked about it, um, uh, a fair amount or it's, it's come up uh, a good bit on, on this podcast, this, you know, kind of balance between, um, intrinsic and, and extrinsic motivators, you know, and it's, it's really like the sexiest thing to talk about. And the, the thing that everybody gets excited about is, is winning, right. Or podiums or, you know, like you said, like these, the validation that comes from showing up to a race and, and doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you, um, and you know, you experience like, I think what a lot of even, you know, like age group athletes experience, which is just very classic progression where as you, as you excel, you, you upgrade or you move into different categories and then you, you're kind of put, you know, at the back of the, the pack again. And, and so you, I've the point, you know, again, that's come up several times, uh, or often on the podcast is that, you know, you really have to find, like, you have to root your your motivation in something outside of, um, the, the external component, right. That like Mm -hmm. finding your, your why, uh, and certainly the why can be partly linked to, you know, winning or doing well, because, you know, typically we are competitive and it's, it's something that is important to us and that's fine, but it's not going to happen every time, right. Even if you were the best on that day, the race might not play out in your favor. And so you have to find, some way to, to, to link your success or find your success in things outside of, you know, just, just, uh, you know, doing well at a race or winning or podium or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you, Sorry, go ahead. no, go ahead. Oh, I was Fire just going to say, yeah, for me, I think that, um, like the key concept that has helped me switch that is like this idea of sustainability. 
Um, I think I went from wanting mm-hmm. to be, you know, an, an Olympian and having no other plan to wanting to ride when I'm an old lady, you know, <laughs> or just be moving. Right, um, and yeah. so when you, when you frame things like that, it just takes all the pressure off and it makes the, it makes the timeline and the process seem so much more doable, you know? Yeah. I, I love, um, I mean, the fact that you, you know, you call it a process, which is something that I, um, I say all the time, you know, and, it, and it's a pretty popular, um, you know, kind yeah. of moniker, this idea of like, you know, in, in, enjoy the process, process, right. Or, or, you know, or love, love, love. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And, but it's so, it's easy to say and it's like, but it's, it's really can be hard to do. Right. I think a lot of people get kind of tripped up when they try to find, um, what part of that process they enjoy or the fact that it's a process at all, right. That there's not some ultimate end goal, um, in terms of, you know, okay, when I get to this race or when I get to, you know, the Olympics or whatever, right. You know, I think it's, that idea of sustainability is much more important than coming in and kind of, you know, at all costs getting to some singular mm-hmm. endpoint in your pursuit of, you know, progress yeah. or kind of being, your yeah, best I mean, self. it takes a lot of humility, right? You have to, you have to be willing to be like, right. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to progress, but I'm going to recognize that sometimes I'm not going to be successful in that progression. Right. And you have to be okay with seeing, seeing like maybe that result as being part of a process instead of being, you know, your, your failure. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that like progress, um, part of progression can be like regression, right? Like you're not always taking steps forward, totally. you know, like sometimes you can take steps back or you can be, you know, self-critical in a way that, that, you know, you take two steps uh, you know, back to take one step forward type thing. And, you know, I think that that's this idea that it's not, mm-hmm. it's not linear. You know, I think so many athletes get, get it stuck in their head uh, or have a really hard time kind of coming to terms with the fact that, you know, from, from a to B, you know, whatever that is, or a to a to Z, um, there's a lot of ups and downs, you know, it's not just, you don't just continually get more fit. You don't get, um, you know, every workout isn't the best, you know, and continually progressive and, and there's a lot of, a lot of highs and lows. And that's when that kind of finding your rooting yourself in some enjoyment of the process outside of that external component is really important, right? Cause that's what, that's what carries you through the, the low points, right? Cause if, if the external is the only thing getting you by, then you're going to hang your hat on something that's going to let you down. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so one of the things that you, uh, you had said before we, uh, we, we started recording was, um, um, this, that you were trying to find the balance between, um, health and fitness and, <laughs> and obsession. And I, I thought that was really great. Cause it, I don't know if anybody else can identify with that, but I was like, oh, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to do. You know, like my, my whole life, you know, I mean, I've, uh, I've taken, uh, you know, kind of a similar path to you and in since, you know, you know, in the last, you know, handful of years or whatever, looked to try to find some sort of balance and, and, and looked at sport as kind of a lens that I can, you know, really enjoy life and like adds value to my experiences that I have, you know, in the mountains or, or wherever I'm at. Um, but I still can't, it's hard to break being really competitive, you know, and it's hard to, it's hard to, so yeah, I'm just interested, like, 
to hear kind of what that means for you and, and how you've, you know, continually, I imagine, try to find that, that balance and, and add value, you know, and how endurance sports kind of brings value mm-hmm. to those experiences. Yeah. I mean, I think that health should always be the priority, right? Cause you can't do anything if you don't have health. Um, so in that, in that right. trifecta, I think health should always be at the top. Right. And then fitness I see as a tool, like you said, for enjoyment of, you know, adventures in the mountains, getting to do more things, feeling capable, feeling confident, you know, I think fitness is a really great, uh, tool for personal growth. It's a really good way to frame goals. And then like, I see obsession as, uh, honestly something you should avoid. And it's hard because it's often celebrated, right? Like everyone sees obsession as this sort of, um, you know, Oh, they're, they're so committed. Right. Um, but to me, I think it's something you should use sparingly. I think it's easy to become obsessed with a sport, but it, it, if you, if you get into that zone, it controls you. And, um, and then you end up sacrificing your health or you sacrifice really your fitness sometimes. Right. Um, and, and if you're, if your goal is to, to be moving when you're old and to be enjoying these things in the mountains, like that, that obsession factor, I don't know. I think, I think it's something that, like really, really high level athletes all have on some level, but you have to, you have to kind of look at it. Like you look at like a mountain lion kind of like warily, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, I mean, you're right. That's, um, the, you know, the idea that to some degree, certainly at a high level, you know, athletes have, you know, have some level of that obsession. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, it can really, we see it happen all the time. It, you know, it, 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 it ultimately gets in the way, you know, like you, you can't, you can't be obsessed, uh, forever. Right. Because like you said, I mean, it's at the detriment of the things that you're trying to accomplish, you know, your fitness, uh, your, you know, your health or, you know, it's overtraining, it's burnout, it's injury. Um, yeah, there's mental and physical components. Um, yeah. And so do, um, do you think like, so in, in place of obsession, like I always kind of try to advocate for, you know, giving yourself as an athlete, some, um, some, some space and some kind of like leeway, Mm -hmm. you know? So like when you, when you have the, uh, and this is like, this is nuanced for everyone, but when you have this, feelings of obsession or maybe you're starting to be too hard on yourself or what, you know, like that's the moment where you should inject some, um, you know, kind of self love or space or give yourself some, you know, leeway. Like, do you find that there's something that you can do, uh, other than be obsessed? That's, that's, uh, you know, a valuable <laughs> use of your time. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of, uh, well, so like this year I, I like, went into the season with the goal of like number one, maintaining my health and like seeing if I could achieve results with that as my goal. And so I was really on the lookout for those sort of obsessive thoughts or if I started being really hard on myself, if I, you know, didn't, didn't nail a target or, or missed a workout or something. And, um, so when I'd see those signs, I basically would be like, whatever was on my training plan, I'd just give myself like three days off (laughs) and I would do like, I get a massage. Mm -hmm. I do like face masks. I would just like chill. And the, the, 
and like take a step back. And it was really cool because I found that that actually made me feel better in all of my training through the whole season. It let me train harder when I went, when I needed to train hard. And I felt like happy and engaged the entire time. Like, so it was, it was a really interesting thing, but it, it takes a lot of humility to be like, I'm just not going to do my thing today. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's all pretty hardwired to yeah, be like, I'm right. going to, I'm going to do my workouts. I'm not going to slack off. Um, but sometimes that's the best thing. Yeah. How do you, how do you find, or, or maybe the question is, do you, do you think there's a line where, you know, cause there are some days when, you know, maybe you're not feeling a hundred percent, like maybe you're a little tired, you know, maybe you didn't eat, you know, like you had a late lunch, you know, whatever, like it's not all lining up, but, but like you still need to show up, right? Like I, I've always mm-hmm. said it, I think this balance can, is really hard yes. to find because it's very individualized, yes. but like if you wait around for the perfect moment, you'll be waiting mm-hmm. a long time. Right. So like when, when do you, you know, like what does that look like for you? Like when do you, when do you kind of, sh- you know, I guess like shut up and do the work or like kind of shut that stuff down in your head and do the work. And then when do you give yourself that space? Like, how? yeah, I mean, I think that that is like, probably the most important skill when it comes to being a successful athlete is understanding that feeling in your body. Right. And I think that's why, um, mm-hmm. it can be right. so hard when we're all so obsessed with our numbers and our, and our metrics is we kind of lose touch with how we're actually feeling and how our body's actually responding to things. So, I mean, I think that point is different for every athlete, the difference between like yeah. regular fatigue, like functional, you know, productive fatigue and, you know, something that's actually more like overtraining. Um, but I think like really learning that line for yourself as an athlete is really important and it's, it's hard. You can't really teach it. Right. You can only like make a mistake a million times until you, <laughs> until you learn to recognize that feeling. Right. <laughs> you, have, you have to cross that line like a yeah, hundred times yeah. before you figure out where it is. <laughs> right. I know. I mean, that's a great point. I, I try to, it, it, cause you're exactly right. Like you don't, you can't teach it. So, you know, as, as a coach, and I, I know you work with athletes as well and, and on the coaching side and, you know, that's a, you, you can't, um, there's no like, you know, 10 steps to figure out what your, where that line is, you know? And so I always will try to kind of purposefully, you know, see if we can find that line, you know, but then, make sure that myself and the athlete are on the same page. Like, okay, like it's okay. Like, you know, now we know like, you know, that workout didn't go great, you know? So now like when that happens again, like we can kind of commit the mm-hmm. experience to memory. It's like, okay, well, you know, if you, if this, you know, if all the stars align or you feel like this again, like this is, this might be your line, mm-hmm. right? We might be finding it. And, um, but it's so hard to, it's so hard, but, I agree. Like it's, it's the most valuable thing, right. <laughs> to figure out like when, um, when to push through and, and when not to, and like you said, we're so hardwired to, um, especially with, uh, with, you know, kind of modern performance metrics, right. We love to see all of the things ticking upwards. Right. And so that missed session, you know, looks like it's a, it's a big hit, you know, it looks like, you know, it makes those metrics not look as, yeah, God forbid as pretty or as, as, you know? um, <laughs> I know. Right. I mean, you know, and it's, it is, it's a balance. Cause like, I'm, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm certainly, you know, data driven and, 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 you know, place 
emphasis and value on those things, but like not at the expense of the, mm-hmm. the qualitative components, right? Like if we can't nail down, like you were saying, just like how it feels, um, then the metrics, you know, the metrics are only as good as the data that we put into them. Right. So like, they're just, Mm -hmm. they're just a response. Um, whereas, yeah, I think that, you know, the qualitative piece, um, is, uh, is, is so much, so much, you know, certainly just as important, if not more. Well, it seems to me too. And (laughs) Um, like, maybe, maybe you feel the same way, but I, I feel like the endurance community as a whole is focusing more on, staying on the right side of that line instead of glorifying pushing over it. Like, I think, I think that used to be the mentality was like, Oh, you push yourself hard and then you win, you know? And yeah. now it's more like, no, you have to kind of like yeah. dance around that line and, and like allow yourself to adapt and recover too. Um, I know it could just be that like, I personally am becoming more aware of it, but I also feel like there's a, there's a general shift in mentality about it too. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, you know, I think we're seeing that with, I mean, even on the metrics side, right? Like, you know, the focus on mm-hmm. sleep metrics and, you know, HRV and, you know, even if we like look at the data, which, you know, typically has kind of driven us more in the kind of extreme side of, you know, push, push at all costs, you know, as long as your fitness is improving. Um, but, but now we're seeing the data kind of back up or, or help to, to push this idea of, you know, rest, like, you know, let's track your sleep, you know, let's track your resting heart rate and HRV and, you know, even tools tracking respiratory rates and all these things. And, you know, while you're sleeping, you know, and so the emphasis is just as much on what happens, what's happening when you're not training, you know, or not exercising as what are we seeing when you're actually producing some type of effort. And yeah, I think that's a, that's a super valuable shift. I mean, back to this idea of sustainability, like, you know, I think one of the the biggest, um, you know, barriers to sustainability is that just like, if you have that mentality where you, you push forward at all costs, you're like, mm-hmm. it's only going to last so long. Right. I mean, by design, mm-hmm. it has to fail, um, because you'll reach a breaking point, you know, you'll find that line, um, and you'll end up on the other side of it or the wrong side of it. And it'll be, it'll be too late. And right? I think it's okay to go on the wrong um, side of it, so. but to understand that you have to use that sparingly, right? Like, for like a, a couple right, weeks right, right, season, right. you know like when you're really really at your peak you know that yeah. you're not in like a sustainable state but it feels so good so you can't help it <laughs> yeah well it, yeah it's nice to i mean yeah that's so good like this it's it's it has been back to this idea what we were talking about where it's like it's such a it's such a fine line it's so different for everyone but yeah, it's, it's good to push hard. Like, you know, you like, don't always take it easy on yourself, right? Like you don't want to give yourself too much space, uh, or too much, um, flexibility. Cause yeah, you, I mean, you want to push and the end goal, you know, as an athlete is to, to push through, you know, comfort zones and to realize your full potential. And so to do that, there's some level of discomfort, right. And there's certainly some level of fatigue. Um, but that, there's a balance there, you know, and I have always, um, since I've been, since I've been doing this, this podcast, I've, you know, I've found myself like really juxtaposed a lot of times, like in conversations with different people, they're like, well, I heard you on the podcast say that, you know, it's like mental for, I'm like, well, but sometimes you like get up at three in the morning mm-hmm. and you get your workout in, right? Like there's this balance somewhere in there that like works out for everyone, right? Like you got to just figure out what that looks like for you. And, um, 
Yeah. Do you feel like, like, is it for you, is it more kind of based on like the race season, you know, do you find yourself like willing and able to push like when it matters most or is there, you know, are you just, do you enjoy that push just for kind of the process and how it makes you feel? Or is it always kind of aligned with like, a you know, like you said, like the final build up to like a, you know, big push before a race. And, and that's when you really get fired up to kind of make that big, make some of those sacrifices that, you know, I don't, know. don't want to do all the bike time. Racing, you have to be willing to do it for the process of it because it is such a long process to get to that final build. Um, you know, like right, you work all yeah. season for like that sort of like window of amazing fitness. And, you know, some people are, are able to maintain that window for longer, but for me, it's more like I got, I got like a month every summer where I'm like, Ooh, I'm a superhero, you know, <laughs> but, but to get to that month, you have to be right, like yeah. willing to be working in January. Right. And, um, and so it's yeah. like, I think you yeah. have to be, uh, you have to have that long view, but also be willing to focus on like your daily success. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm like yeah. anyone I start getting anxious yeah. if like, I'm not hitting my workouts and if I'm not hitting my goals and then you have to recalibrate, but I think you have to do that with like some degree of compassion for yourself. Cause life happens too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, back to that idea that like nothing's, mm-hmm. it's not linear, you know, like you're not just going to continue. There's going to be interruptions. You're going to be tired. You're going to be, you know, you're not going to sleep well. You're going to have busy work schedule. I mean, all these things, right. If you look from, like you said, it's a long road. If you look from, you know, January to, you know, August or you know whatever, you know, that's, there's a long, there's a lot, there's a lot in the way there, right. There's a lot of stuff that can happen. Um, what do you, what do you do? Cause this, I think this is one of the, uh, we get like questions all the time, uh, like to the podcast about, about this. And I'm sure you talk about it with athletes. I know that it comes up all the time with athletes we work with. And, um, it's just like, you know, how do you, it's so, it's so much easier or, or oftentimes folks are much more motivated when you were, you know, eight to 12 weeks mm-hmm. out from your priority race, right. When it's summer, t- you did. So like, what it, you know, what do you do in the winter time? Like, how do you find that motivation? You know, like what tools are you using to, to keep you kind of, you know, trying to move the needle? Cause it does matter. Like you said, like what you do in January matters in mm-hmm. June. Right. And, and I would argue like maybe even more mm-hmm. so, right. Like, you know, that's, if you don't have the, the foundational stuff, the house isn't, you know, you're building a weak house. Right. And so, um, yeah. Like what's that look like for you when, you know, you could like the dark days and you're still trying to stay focused and, and, you know, what do you, what do you, uh, what I'm looking for is like, you know, just tell us all the secrets so that I can, I can, I can use them myself. And, I, I bet you're already using them. Um, for me, I mean, so I, I was telling an athlete the other day, I look at the bike season or my, I look at my ability to focus on riding a bicycle as kind of like a finite resource. Like I only, I only have, I don't have a whole year of mm-hmm. loving pedaling in me really. So when I'm, when it's, when it's cold and it's terrible outside, I don't, I don't try to ride my bike. I go skiing, I go running. I like do other things to keep me engaged. I sign up for Nordic races. Like, I think it's really important to see your fitness as a holistic thing and not just as a specific thing. And when you're in January, you don't, you don't need to be doing like crazy bike stuff if your first race is in April. Right. So, 
Um, so I, I, look, right. at, I yeah. look at my like mental oh, energy, yeah. like as a, as a resource, I kind of have to protect or like or my ability to focus as a, as a resource, you have to kind of guard and take care of. Um, I, I totally, um, yeah. when I was younger would, I was the, I was the person who was riding my trainer for like three hours in the basement, you know, <laughs> and, and like every day, all day I had uh-huh. to get ready. Right. And, um, and all I, all I learned from that was that it's a great way to like make you, make you hate riding bikes. And to me, it's, it's so much, sure. your success at riding is so dependent on your ability to be focused and, you know, enjoying it on some level, being engaged. Right. And if you've spent all that in the garage in the winter, yep. you're going to have a rough season, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's such I um, you, you were, you were right. I, uh, I have been <laughs> only cause like, I, I feel exactly the same way. I mean, you really nailed like the, the like exact things that I talk about all the time. And, you know, one of those things is I, I love that idea. And I literally like, just yesterday was talking to somebody about this idea of what you said about, you know, that your energy to, to focus, uh, on your primary discipline is a resource and that resource is finite. And so as, and I, you know, as a coach, I try to be very sensitive to how that those resources are, you know, kind of dosed through the season, right? Like in this idea that just because maybe you can ride for three, four, five, six hours, whatever it is, uh, and maybe you would be willing to do that every day doesn't mean that you should be doing that. Right. And, and that, that, that will catch up with you eventually, you know, sometime in some season in the future, right. Where all that riding, all that riding that you, that you didn't really need to be doing, you know, it's, it's, you know, yeah. If, you know, if you start with the glass full, each one of those rides is a little water out of the glass, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't know when it's going to be empty, but you know, you have that glass to last you. Well, and and you have to right? know how to like refill <laughs> um, it. Right. And, um, I see, I see stuff like ski touring yeah, and right. trail running and, you know, all these sort of cross training activities is good ways to refill that glass. Right. Cause God, every time I'm running, I'm like, man, I wish I was on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, uh, as a, as a, as a, uh, as a mountain biker still turned ultra distance runner. Uh, I, I still like every time I can <laughs> run, I'm like, this would be so much better and easier if I was on a mountain bike. Um, and like, I'm like, man, I would so much rather ride my bike for 10 hours than run for 10 hours or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And then I, <laughs> I, uh, the other thing that you hit on that I, I really love is that, just this idea of like not forcing it in the winter time, right? Like if all signs point to no, like, you know, if you can go run or ski or do something else, do that, right? Like don't, don't ride your bike just because, or don't run, you know, whatever your primary. Yeah, definitely don't is. Go, go ride. Um, if you're going to get frostbite or get sick or, you know, like, or you're going to stare at a wall in a room for right, you know, eight right, hours right. on Zwift, right? Like, yeah. I know. And that's, you know, that, and that's almost made it, I mean, there are these tools now that make it pretty comfortable, right? I mean, you really can, you know, get on Zwift on your super nice trainer that, you know, does everything for you. And, you know, you can ride it. It's, it's not the end of the world, you know I mean? You could easily do a pretty solid long ride on Zwift and, um, and, or, you know, or a long run and, and not be that miserable, you know, versus like, 
uh, and it sounds like you and I like, came from the back of the night. Yeah, I was in the basement wall, with, <laughs> with my yeah exactly yeah i, mean, I literally just like looked at my yep. like garage yep. door with my like walkman you know yep. hanging on my jersey uh, <laughs> and i was like well this is it you know and it was like if like yeah if it was if it was shitty weather outside it was yep. like four hours on this you know not yep. good trainer right? it's like an old fluid you know whatever yeah yeah and there's like it was all clunky and your wheel would your your quick release every time yeah (laughs) yeah you're like every time you get out of the saddle a little bit you're worried it was gonna like kick over out of the little holder you know um (laughs) yeah oh yeah no for sure i yeah i was always like trying to stay close to something so i could like lean on it if i needed to um yeah yeah, oh so good yeah i mean so like when you're like, when you're I was going to say this that, thing is really interesting because you're seeing people hit these early season races where everyone used to be all like flabby and white and people are like fit in the early season because they've been racing on Zwift all year. Right. I know. Um, but I think, I think you kind of, I know it's, make, it's making me really mad. Like as, as somebody who spends the winter skiing, yeah. I don't, I'm not in that good shape yet. Like you gotta give me, you gotta give yeah. me a second to like do some stuff. Yeah. yeah totally. They're like hitting the ground um, running. <laughs> but yeah, that's something you need to keep in yeah. mind. Cause like, but like your season can really be year round at this point. If you're, if you're in his whiff. Right. Yeah. What's your take on, well, I was just gonna, I mean, I guess in that same vein, you know, like, do you, um, Cause like, we'll talk to athletes that are, I mean, they're, they don't mind, right. You know, yeah, they got Zwift and like, they're super motivated to, they're like, yeah, you know, I'll do a three hour ride on Zwift or four hours or I mean, whatever. And you know, are these really long workouts and like, what's your take on, do you try to pull back the reins still? If the motivation is there, like, do you still feel like that kind of that pulls from that resource, you know, pool or, or do you kind of let it go or yeah, I'm just, you know, what, what do you, what do you think is the, I know there's not one size fits all. I mean, I think it depends on what their target race is, right? Like if they're trying to crush Gila, then yeah, sure. Get on Zwift. Um, like if they're aiming for something in July or August, it's like, you should probably not, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, maybe for your one interval workout, for the week or maybe for, you know, actually maybe for your long ride, right? Like if it's horrible out and you have to go for a long ride, like, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's a really good resource, but I think depending on it and treating it like a race season early in the year, if you're, if you're targeting like a year round thing, you're just going to be burned out. Yeah, sure. No, I agree. Absolutely. Um, so another thing that you had mentioned was this, uh, this idea of, uh, kind of like, uh, like mm-hmm. FOMO, you know, like fear of missing out and comparing ourselves to, to other athletes. Um, and I, I thought that was, I think that's something that is, it's, it's so pervasive. It can be so, um, detrimental to, to, I mean, again, like back to this, to the sustainability piece, which I just think is so critical and important to talk about, but, if you show up every time and, you know, compare yourself to athletes or like, I mean, to what we were just talking about, like if you have a friend who, you know, is on Zwift for four hours and, and you're not, and then all of a sudden you feel like you're dropping the ball because you didn't do that long ride or whatever, you know, like it's, it just, it starts to like, you know, uh, it just starts to wear away at you, right. Totally. It starts to erode your, your confidence. And, um, yeah, I'm just curious, like, what did you, what's your personal experience with that? Cause like, I know, 
I've, I think we've all dealt with that, you know, uh, from an athlete perspective, but yeah, what's your, your kind of personal experience with that? And then, you know, maybe again, kind of tools for athletes to use to, to try to, you know, avoid that or position. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, obviously comparison and, uh, competition is why we all do this. It's a really powerful motivator and a great emotion. Um, but I think there that everyone has a different capacity for it and is motivated differently by it. Right. So I think some people find it to be a really powerful and great way to, you know, help themselves push faster and be accountable and, um, stay strong and other people find it really stressful, um, and like sapping. So I think everyone has to assess it, like kind of try to assess it objectively for them personally. But for me, like I've never been on Strava because I know that it would make me into a monster. (laughs) And, um, like, I just, I know that level of, um, (laughs) yeah, I might say the same way. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just know it would eat me alive. Like I would, I would be so, um, obsessive about hitting those, those segments and comparing myself to people. And it, it would probably like make a good ride into a bad ride. So, um, like for me, I have to be really careful about that stuff. Like, and so, I mean, it's actually a really good example right now. Cause I have this, this knee niggle I've been dealing with for like a couple of weeks. And, um, I basically had to stop riding. I'm riding for like 40 minutes at a time right now. And, uh, and it's been really hard because everyone's, it is the point of the year where everyone's logging their monster training blocks in California and talking about how fun it is and how tired they are. And I'm like, man, I wish I could get tired. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, it's really hard not to get anxious, but I just, you know, I think it, it, for me, it always helps to be like, um, everybody has different goals and everybody has different capacities and everybody's path is different. And, um, you know, just because that is one path from point A to point B doesn't mean it's the only path. Right. So, um, I think right. reminding yourself that right. you're an individual and that you're, um, wellness and motivation is ultimately what's going to make you the most successful, not, you know, copying somebody else is, is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I think, um, I see so many athletes get, um, yeah, get just kind of roped into, you know, they go on a, especially this time of year, you know, if you kind of, this is like, um, this, you know, kind of mid winter, but this spring, you know, you're kind of like starting to, you know, you can see that the end of the tunnel and, you know, maybe you have like a March or an April race, you know, on the calendar. And so you're starting to get a little closer and, and, you know, athletes are, are, you know, going a group ride or something or, or whatever on Saturday and, and talk to their friends and they're like, hear, you know, about their, you know, and it just, it starts to like immediately, you know, erode, uh, folks confidence. Like, Oh, should I be, you know, doing X, Y, and Z, you know, and like you said, like it, it has to be based on what works for you. Right. And I think, and two, like what, you know, just like, what's your, you know, how much time do you have to give, you know, like training is, um, it's a big ask, you know, it's a big ask mentally and physically and, and fitting that into most of our schedules. And so like, you know, do is, is doing more going to, going to, to be counterproductive because it's going to stress you out so much, right? Like, you know, is adding another workout really going to be what makes you productive or is that going to be such a stressor, you know, in other, uh, other areas of your life where it's better just to Mm -hmm. focus on, you know, quality Mm -hmm. over quantity. Um, you know, and I think that, man, so many people, yeah, I just, they get, uh, 
they get run down so early in the season by kind of doubting their their approach or you know comparing themselves to like you said somebody on Strava and um yeah I totally get the Strava thing I I'm I'm um, I know myself well enough that I have to stay, I have to stay away. I would be like, that's all I would yep. do is go out and, well, and I, people. I down, think importantly you know? too, like it's um, the sort of thing where like, if you're, if you're having a ride, you can like have your feeling about it. But if you see how you did on a segment, it might totally change how you felt about that ride. And I think it's more important to be like yeah. aware of your physical feelings and the environment and, you know, all those, all those other factors that teach you a lot more about yourself as an athlete than like seeing that number and deciding whether or not you were successful. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always describe training as, you know, any, any workout or kind of the act of training is, you know, the, the goal of course is fitness, but really the goal is that we provide, you know, that the, the training provides kind of, you know, uh, uh, a group of experiences, uh, from which you can draw on, during race day. Right. So like you have to be paying attention because in race day, you know, there's, it, I love it, that. You know, it almost like becomes like, like subconscious, right. Where you're like, you, you know, you're just, you're automatically pulling from these moments of discomfort or these moments of kind of mental, you know, like how did you cope with mm-hmm. a big long climb or when it was hot or when you felt a little bonky or when, you know, I mean, there's all these experiences and like my goal is like, that we just want that kind of cumulative suite of experiences to prepare you for anything that you might encounter on race day. And if you're not paying attention during the training, then you're not going to have those experiences, right? You're just going to, you're going to, mm-hmm. it's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, like white. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, that's a great point. What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like making that blend too, like, you know, or, or using the data, like, you know, by all means, if you want to look down and, you know, look at normalized power, that's great. Mm-hmm. But link that to a feeling, right? Like if you see, you know, 250 Watts for, you know, an hour or whatever it is on some sort of big climb, like, let's talk about what that felt like. Right. And then how do we use that as a gauge on race day? You know, like I always wanted to come back to again, like you're kind of you're, you're collecting experiences, uh, you know, so that you can use them on race day or draw from them on. You're kind of like just teaching your body and teaching your mind. And like, it's almost, um, like adjacent to your fitness, right? Your fitness is your tool, but you've got this whole like contextual, um, tool as well. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, good. I, I've stolen <laughs> several ideas from you during this chat, so you can have that one for free. <laughs> uh, no, um, so uh, t- to kind of switch gears a little bit and um, and dive into another topic, um, do you feel like we're in a we're in a, a a good place? I mean, there's so much talk now about about nutrition, right? I mean, it's such a hotly debated and, and kind of polarized oftentimes topic and we have lots of, you know, there's like a new diet every day, right. Coming out about, you know, how you, you know, and it claims that it's the best for endurance athletes and, um, there's tools to track that stuff. And, you know, I just, it, it, it seems like on the one hand, there's a lot of information mm-hmm. out there and, and so that's good. But the other hand, there's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of athletes kind of, you know, experimenting with things based on information that is probably not the, you know, well suited for them, or it's not 
meant to be targeted towards mm-hmm. endurance athletes or fueling for performance. I don't know. What do you feel like we're, are we better? <laughs> or are we worse? Is it more confusing? <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, well, I don't know the answer either, but I'm curious. I, per- like, I mean, what, I personally uh, feel where, like where the information, especially about women's performance is so much better than it used to be. I think the work Stacey Sims is doing is amazing. I think, um, like, the idea of using your period is not just a training metric, but actually an ergogenic aid, like basically using it to biohack your training cycle to me is like mind boggling. I love it. Um, yep. and I think that as we're starting to, to see women as, uh, as athletic beings and as, you know, people who can perform on, you know, or are committed on similar levels to men, um, and figuring out how to make them the best athletes we can be, um, and, and maybe having separate strategies than a a male body is amazing. And I think, um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of, um, conflicting nutritional fads. Like, you know, are you going to do intermittent fasting? Are you going to go for the keto diet? Right. Um, so I think, I think it's, you know, taking that stuff with a grain of salt and figuring out what's going to work best for you. Um, and, but yeah, it's, it's like, do your research (laughs) before you do a diet. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and and just like, I think just like training, um, you know, there's not one Mm -hmm. approach that works year round, right? Like that, you know, you might, one of those, um, named diet totally might work for you in the winter time. Right. And then maybe that makes you feel healthy. Um, and you're able to, you know, feel well, or, or maybe you're able to reach a, an ideal weight, um, you know, that's healthy, but, but as you were, you know, again, through the lens, uh, uh, as an athlete, um, maybe that changes, you know, as your training load increases, as your caloric needs increase, as your metabolism shifts and, and changes to meet the demands of your training schedule, like maybe it doesn't work anymore. You know, I think that's where I've seen folks get into trouble as they take this just very kind of like, this is my diet, you know, and like they put this kind of, you know, and it applies to everything. And it's this big kind of overarching, you know, gospel that they, they preach. Um, and again, through the lens of, of being an endurance athlete, I think that can just be, we have to come at it from a different angle. You know, it's not just, um, you know, it's not just weight loss or it's not, we have this, this extra piece involved, you know, that is, yeah, I mean, and and, it might and be my training history. and the muscular and metabolic. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it might just be my history with it, but I've completely thrown the idea of weight loss out of my, you know, health vocabulary. I, I purely think about the quality of the calories I'm eating and that's about it. It's yeah. like, I just make sure I'm eating good food and eating mm-hmm. what I'm hungry for. Yep. Sometimes that's like a steak. Sometimes yeah. I go plant-based for like a month. Yeah. You know, it just kind of depends on the season and what I'm into. And yeah. I found that yeah. works really well, but it, it also requires like a sure. little more work because you have to plan things out. And, um, but I don't know if you had experience yep. with any of that intermittent fasting yeah, or keto stuff. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is, I, I'm going to be careful, like how I say all this. Um, cause there's a lot yeah. of people that, you know, have a lot of opinions and, uh, <laughs> I don't want to spoil something like hate email. After, yeah. After this podcast airs. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I will say personally, my, my approach is, is like identical to yours. You know, I think that in my opinion, eating 
well um, is is fairly straightforward and it should be a fully kind of well-rounded experience. I don't think that taking anything out uh, is the answer, you know, so any, any deletion style diet, um, I, I don't think is necessarily the best approach. I think that the, you know, foods exist for reasons and we need them all in certain amounts at the right time in relation to exercise and, you know, rest. And, and so, yeah, I, um, I identify, you know, again, like with exactly kind of your approach, you know, I think, um, yeah. And, and, but, uh, certainly, you know, from a coaching perspective, um, it's also my job to help athletes navigate, um, these approaches that could help them maximize performance, you know, and I, and I am the first to admit that, like, like we said, like maybe in, you know, in some quantities at the right time and when done correctly, that these can be tools to help maximize performance and help you feel healthier. So yeah, we've got, um, um, you know, intermittent fasting is one. I mean, certainly in the, in the winter time, you know, doing certain types of sessions, uh, carefully kind of prescribed and guided at the right times of the week, uh, in the right periods of, uh, training progression. Um, I've had athletes be successful with intermittent fasting. Um, same thing. Um, you know, some athletes, um, I'm a fairly, I mean, again, I, I, on, I guess on the risk of getting hate emails, like, but fairly ve- I'm a fairly vehement, like, uh, I'm, I'm adamantly against, uh, the keto diet for endurance athletes. I haven't, and that's just cause I haven't seen it work because it backfire, um, too many, too few, just in terms of car- go too ahead. Few carbs. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just a glycogen uh, availability, you know? And so I, I've seen it, um, I've seen it just backfire. I mean, again, with the right, with the right session, you know, if you're doing well below threshold, you know, and you're truly doing, you know, uh, kind of a aerobic work and you're not necessarily calling on the body for glycogen stores, um, and, you know, and, and, and need that carbohydrate, then, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe it works. But again, if there's any intensity involved, um, I've seen it backfire and I've, yeah. So, but again, like I do see it, I enjoy that process with my athletes. Like I, I, I'm, I'm game to say, okay, let's, let's do it the right way. Let's think about it, make sure it's based in science, right? Let's make sure it works for you. Or we think it's the right approach for you in terms of your, you know, your, your discipline focus and the time of year that we're talking about these things and then try it and then, and then pay attention, you know, make sure again, like I'm not going to take a broad stroke and say, okay, now you're intermittent fasting, you know, all year long, that's it. You know, every Tuesday, Thursday, um, you know, I think we, it has to be applied in the right doses and done, um, intelligently. And again, like backed by whatever, you know, hard yeah and it's science an important thing up. when you're approaching um, any of those things but, uh, from uh you know uh awareness that people do use them for uh disordered reasons right like it's you got to have that awareness as well to make sure that it it's really for performance right yeah and, exactly and well for it's a way to point. control what, what's going in right yeah that's i mean that's a great that's a great point and i think is like top of mind for me. I mean, yeah, you know, if we're doing it through the lens of, um, 
maximizing potential and performance, then yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to get at that. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to necessarily shut an athlete down, you know, unless it's clearly unhealthy, but, um, but yeah, doing it for the right reasons for sure. I think, you know, it's, it's pretty easy when you're in that zone to fall into the trap of like wanting a little more, right? Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. just five more pounds. Right. Or just a little, you know, a little, you know, whatever it is. And like, that's when you start to, Mm -hmm. that's a rabbit hole that can be dangerous, you know, where you start to, you know, again, I, I, I agree with you completely. Like thinking about things purely from like a weight loss perspective is a little bit problematic for me. You know, I I think that can be a little dangerous. Um, now if weight loss, reaching a healthy weight is a byproduct of a, of a healthy diet and a diet that's timed accordingly to, to our, you know, exercise and, and, and sleep and, and recovery, like, well, great. You know, that's, that's, I'm all for that. But, um, just like going into things being like, you know, I want to lose 15 pounds. Um, that can be, I've seen that backfire, you know, again, specific to athletes. Um, so yeah, no, but now we're gonna, um, yeah, we're going to get, uh, bombarded with emails. (laughs) Uh, I've already, we've I've already said too much. And and now, now I've gotten you, I've gotten you in hot water too. Training. We we try to consider every methodology (laughs) if it, um, you know, is, is backed by science. So we, it's, it's always cool to entertain different ideas and I don't have anything against any of those diets. It's just, it's interesting. And I think you're right. Like the key thing is making sure that you're using it in a way that, um, helps you reach a goal for, for your training. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Um, I want to touch on one more thing, uh, that I think, um, so I know you work with, uh, with juniors, uh, you're based in Boulder and you work with a junior cycling team there out of Boulder. And I'm just, um, I think that's, um, that's not an area where I've spent a ton of time in terms of like junior development programs. I've worked with juniors on and off over the years, but you know, not necessarily in a group setting. And so I'm just curious, like, um, can we, can we learn anything from, (laughs) from juniors? You know, like what's, is there, you know, as, as adults, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're we're pretty wired a lot of times, right? Like from experiences we've had in life. And especially if you're coming at, uh, if you're coming into sports, endurance sports, you know, later (laughs) in, in your life, it can be hard to kind of break free of some of these things that you've, you know, pre-decided or, you know, have established and kind of, you know, you're, um, uh, in, in your head and yeah, like what's, what's that like working with juniors and, and, you know, what do you see in terms of kind of their outlook and perspective and versus adults that, man, I love that you asked that question in that way. Cause I, <clears throat> I see, I'm, I'm so inspired by these kids. They're, number one, they're fearless. They, um, I mean, partly cause they're on their parents' health insurance plans, but you know, they're, they're, uh, they're fearless. <laughs> they will try anything. And they, I think because, you know, their brains are in this like very 
um, receptive learning mode. They just learn so fast because they're willing to try so many things. And, um, so it, all it takes is just telling them they can do it and, and they'll try it, you know? (laughs) And, uh, I am amazed at how fast Mm -hmm. I've seen them progress and how strong they can get over a season. And, um, I think, you know, if we, if we all took a little bit of that fearlessness into our training and especially in, you know, sports like mountain biking, we could probably make a lot more progress than we think. Um, and then also that they dream super big, like all those kids are like gunning for the races. And, and it's not that we're encouraging goals that are unrealistic for them. Um, but I do find it amazing that they, you know, they all, cause, cause their whole life is just potential right now. Right. Like it's an amazing, it's an amazing phase of life. And, um, mm-hmm. and I love seeing that, you know, I've got six girls at worlds right now. It's so cool. Um, actually I think only, only three wow. of them are BJC. I hope, I hope I got that number right. Um, Michaela, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still, still impressive. Nonetheless. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's no like fear of failure, you know, which is, we get so hung up on that as adults, right. That like, we're going to be judged or whatever backlash we imagine is going to happen if we fail. And, you know, it sounds like I mean, that's kids haven't, they haven't experienced enough failure to really have, you know, like, and I think there's a, there's a real beauty in that, right? Like you said, if we could apply a little bit of that kind of, um, you know, gusto yeah. for, for, for life or for racing or, you know, training or whatever, um, we'd probably be, we, we'd, we'd reach potential that we, you know, are probably, yeah, we're probably getting might, in our way more think, than we're I doing ourselves. I think the stories we tell ourselves right? a, get a, a little times, more but. worn in over time. Right. And, um, and they're, they're just still inventing theirs. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really a privilege to be able to be part of that process with them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I, I, um, like I said, it's not something that I've uh, had the opportunity to, to do a lot of in my coaching career, but it's always something that when I talk to folks like, like yourself who, who have had that opportunity, you know, it's, it's something that's always like mm-hmm. see, seeing things through fresh eyes is, is always a real, you know, a real privilege and, and an honor because we, like you said, our stories get a little worn in and a little, a little old. And so it's, it's nice to, to, to be around athletes that don't have those stories yet, you know, or, or at least creating new ones and they're not using the same ones over and over again. Um, so that's great. Um, well, cool. Lydia, thank you so much for being on the show. 